We're going to be looking into the fifth chapter of Galatians. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, is dealing with strife in the church and dissensions. There are factions in the church, uh, as, as, as always there seem to be. There were the legalists. Uh, these were the Judaizers. These are the, the people who wanted to make a, a, a major feature of Christianity like Judaism, a religion of rules, a religion of laws. And that's not God's design for the church. That's not God's purpose. God's purpose is that we live by grace. God's purpose is that we live by the Spirit. There's another faction in the, in the Galatian church. These were the, the, the Gentiles who had no prior relationship with God through Judaism, no knowledge of the one true God, essentially, who were hearing the gospel, who were getting saved, who, who were responding to Paul's preaching about God's graciousness and his love and his forgiveness. And these people who were longing for these things were responding and they were giving their hearts to the Lord. However, they misunderstood God's grace and they began to abuse God's grace. And of course, this helped the other faction say, see, these people are, are they're professing to be Christians, but they're living in sin. They're abusing God's grace. We need these rules. We need these laws. And so amidst this kind of faction and dissension in the Galatian church, Paul writes his letter, the letter to Galatians. And we're going to read an excerpt this morning. And the, the reason we're going to look at this excerpt is because this is the passage when Paul talks about that particular work of the Spirit in creating and renewing us and causing spiritual fruit to be evident in our life. We can't do this ourselves. It's a work of God's Spirit. And we've been talking for the past several weeks about the work of God's Spirit in our lives. What is it that the Holy Spirit does? How does He work in my life? What does He do? And we looked uh, the past couple weeks at the, at the gifts of the Spirit. And we talked some last week about uh, the use of the gifts in our worship service. And, and I want to encourage you that as we enter into worship, the second part, that you would, if God gives you a word, if he gives you a prophetic utterance, if you have a tongue, if you have uh, a word of knowledge or something, please just meet me up here in the front and share it with me, and then we'll go ahead and share it through the congregation. But, but we need to look at this aspect, too, now of the work of the Spirit, because this is, to me, in addition to the work of creating new life in us, the Holy Spirit being the agent of new birth, that being so incredibly important to us, now he does the work in us to bear fruit as we make ourselves available to him. He does it. You and I cannot grunt and groan and bear fruit. We can't make ourselves be holy. We can't make ourselves be righteous. It's God who does it in us. I was, I was, you know, the other night I was sleeping, and we have some fruit trees in our backyard, and, and as I was studying for this message, I was laying quietly in my bed, and Julie was sleeping quietly, and it was just a still night air, and I opened the, the window, and I was listening for the fruit trees. Now, if you're new, you're going to find out that I'm kind of fruity. You, know? <laughs> you say, why was he listening for the fruit trees? But see, I was preparing for this message, and I wanted to hear, before I said anything, I wanted to make sure that I didn't hear the fruit trees going, <laughs> trying to produce fruit. Because that's what we do. You see, we work real hard to produce fruit. See, we end up being legalists. We keep the rules rather than submitting our lives to the Spirit. See, God has designed 
He's designed the whole universe. He, he has created it to make it work properly. In, in, in every single aspect of creation is in order except us. Man is the only aspect of God's creation that's out of order. If you listen to the fruit trees, you don't hear grunting and groaning. I went out the other day. Yesterday, I was, it, was, it was raining, and then it would clear up, and it would rain, and it would clear up. And I was looking at the fruit trees in our backyard, and I could see blossoms on their trees. And I knew that pretty soon, from the blossoms, there would be little shoots. Then I knew that after the shoots, there'd be little tiny little ball things, baby fruit. And then it wouldn't be long that that fruit would begin to grow and grow and grow, and then there'd be nice-sized fruit, and then it would ripen. How do I know this? It's happened every year. I go out there, and oh, there it is. Sure enough, there are the blossoms. You see, God has designed the universe to operate according to his plan. And he's designed a plan for us that if we fall into his plan, we begin to do things his way, that just like he gives those fruit trees life, just like he causes the fruit to come up, and be born on those branches, he'll cause the fruit to come up and be born on our branches, evident in our life. Let's look at this passage. The 13th verse, we're going to pick it up in the 5th chapter of Galatians. Paul talks about freedom. He says, we're called to be free. Now, many people in our society and, and even in the church today, many people say, well, I'm, I'm free. I'm not under law. They don't understand what freedom is. It's not freedom from no master. It's freedom to a new master. Freedom to submit our life to Christ. Paul writes in Romans that we are submitted to Christ. Submitted to righteousness. Not rules. Submitted in a relationship. I voluntarily give myself into this relationship. God, I voluntarily give you my life. I submit to you. I put myself in your trust, in your care. You say, well, last time I did that, I got, I got beat up. I got surprised. I got ripped off. Well, the reason you're putting yourself into his arms is not so that you're going to be successful or powerful. It's solely because you're learning to trust him in spite of what happens. You see, too many times... And I'll say it again, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again. We become circumstance-oriented. Circumstance-oriented, rather than by faith saying, Lord, I am submitted to you for whatever your will is. For whatever you want to do through me, forever, however you want to use me. Lord, I am dispensable. See, too many times we view ourselves as being indispensable. We are dispensable. Paul says in the 8th chapter of Romans, we are considered as sheep for what? The slaughter. I mean, that's a strong way of saying I'm your servant, however you choose to use me. Your will be done, not mine. See, if that threatens you, and to some degree it ought to, I think, it gives you opportunity and show you, shows you room for growth. 
gives you an opportunity to enter into the struggle. Say, oh, God, help me. So we're called to be free, free to be slaves of Jesus Christ, not to be free from any restraints, because that's chaos, anarchy, where there's no, no submission. And he says, in our freedom is not to indulge the sinful nature, as some of the Galatians were doing. You don't become a, a, a Christian and go to God and get forgiveness and then go off and do what you want, although you could, and come back and get forgiven again. See if you understand God's grace. If you really understand God's grace, what His grace says is that I will forgive you anything. You mean I, I could go off and I could... And then I could actually go back and say, God, forgive me, I was wrong, and He'd forgive me? Yep, you sure would. That sounds like blasphemy. No, it's the truth. God's grace, he says, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. <laughs> See, but the challenge to us is, is not to abuse his grace. Unless, of course, you'd like to be taken to the divine woodshed. He says, rather, serve one another in love. Don't let your freedom be, be an opportunity for the flesh, but let it be a, a freedom now to serve one another, to reach out to one another, not to serve your own desires, your own fleshly wants, but that you'd be free from those things and free to serve one another in love. He says the entire law is summed up in the single commandment, love your neighbor as yourself what God says. And if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So he's nice talking to these factions. And, and you know, if you find yourself in a place of conflict and hatred and bitterness with another person, especially a Christian, stop it. Repent. Make a decision to go serve that person in love. So it's not that easy. I know that. You're not going to be able to actually do it until you get filled with the Spirit. Until you begin to experience the freedom that Christ gives us through His Spirit to actually go serve somebody else. Otherwise, it just becomes a, a dead work. You're doing it because it's a rule. You're doing it because I just made a decision to go serve that person. <laughs> Can't you just feel the love in that? Verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live by the Spirit and you won't gratify those desires. And you won't have to practice such incredible self-discipline. You just change the focus of your life and you begin to have the focus on living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit. He says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under law. What he means is that when you're led by the spirit, you do naturally, instinctively, the things that the law says to do. But you're not under the condemnation of the law. You're not under the, the, the heavy hand of the law. 
Because you just do those things naturally if you're being led by the Spirit. Now, right now, you're probably going through your mind, hmm, I don't think I'm being led by the Spirit in this area and that area and that area. You can't pick and choose, by the way, the fruit of the Spirit. Because we're going to read what the fruit of the Spirit is later on in this passage. All of us are gifted. We talked about that in the past couple weeks. We have varieties of spiritual gifts. And, and God gives the gifts as he discerns and, and where he puts us in the body to function according to his plan. But like we have varieties of gifts and we're all different from one another, we're not different in terms of the fruit that we're all supposed to bear. We're all supposed to bear the same fruit, all of it. All nine qualities are supposed to be evident in, in every one of our lives. We're all supposed to be patient people. We're all supposed to be joyful people. We're all supposed to be experiencing the peace of God. Are all of us? No. Why? Well, because we're not walking by the Spirit. Because substantially, we are, what? Fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And we're not sowing to the Spirit, as Paul will say later in this passage. He goes on and he says in verse 19, the acts of sinful nature are obvious. They're real clear to see. These are the acts that are contrary to the Spirit's will. He starts off with what? Sexual immorality. That's a common one in our society. I subscribe to a number of medical journals and I have a background in, in medical kind of stuff. And, and so I continue to keep updated the best I can. And I was appalled at the increasing rate in the varieties of venereal disease. It used to be just a few, but now it's numbering in the multitudes. We're getting all sorts of, of strange, weird diseases that are coming from other places in the world that we've never even heard of. Some of them we don't even have drugs to treat. And sexual immorality is at the bottom of it idolatry, turning away from God, seeking our own way of doing things, seeking our own personal freedom. I want to be free to do what I want. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. And look at the fruit. These are works of the flesh, of our sinful nature. Sociologists and psychiatrists and psychologists today want us to believe that these are, are not the normal occurrences for man today. They are. When left to our own devices, that's the normal direction we gravitate towards. You say, not me. Whew. We all have the same capabilities. We have that same wicked, sinful nature that's in, new, it's in need of, 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 of dying and renewing. We're just as capable. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. That sounds horrible. I don't even know what that means, but I would never want that applied to my life. <laughs> Look at that word. It looks bad. <laughs> debauchery. Would you want that applied to you? Debauchery. Ugh. Idolatry. 
You say, well, we're safe from that one. We don't, we're not an idolater. We don't bow down and worship idols. Oh? Huh? Some of you remember my story about talking to my friend who bought that new Porsche? And, oh, we went and admired it, and we sat in it, and we drove it. Oh, it was glorious. It was beautiful. And then I noticed where he parked it. I said, I can be parking it way over here. And I can be taking up three parking places, crosswise. He <laughs> said, well, I don't want anybody to scratch it to bump into it. I said, oh, okay. I said, we can handle that real quick. Not, not, you don't have to worry about it. He said, how's that? I said, I got a hammer. He said, a hammer? I said, yeah, we'll get that hammer, and we'll just one swack. Right here on the front fender, we'll just give it one whack. That's it. You'll never worry about this car again. You think he'd let me do it? No way. He still talks to me about it. He's selling it, by the way. But you see, we, we get immersed in idolatry. We worship, we worship stuff. I mean, that car became the consuming thing in his life. It began to take God's place in his life. Anything that takes God's place, whether it be another person, a thing, or whatever, when it takes God's place, then we're involved in idolatry. That's classic idolatry. My wife and I have, a, we have two cars. She lets me drive the 1967 Volkswagen, and she drives the 1983 Honda. <laughs> and so we take care of our car and uh, our Honda, and we park it in the garage. You know, the Volkswagen has to sit outside in the weather, the poor little thing, but it just runs and runs and runs and runs. <laughs> and so the Honda's in the garage. It's nice and neat, and we keep it clean, and we, we wash it and have it polished and do all this nice stuff and vacuum it and stuff. And, and we want to take real good care of it. And it was getting to the point where we were going, oh, man. You know, we don't want to take the Honda out of the garage. <laughs> and so we're, you know, independently we're thinking about this, and then the Lord solved the problem. Oh, this was so great. Yeah, well, it was parked in the garage. <laughs> there was a little trembler. Some, something shook the garage. And there was a suitcase on a shelf <laughs> sitting right over the front left fender and it just nudged a little bit, and it went <laughs> We had a beautiful dent in the left front fender. And you know what? All of a sudden, we were free. All of a sudden, it didn't matter. You could leave the car out. It was OK. <laughs> you could park it anywhere now. It didn't matter. God's helping me practice what I preach. But idolatry. Idolatry. And, and we so easily swing over into that area. He says, witchcraft. What are some other things that he talks about? Hatred. Is there hatred in some of our lives this morning? Are there people that we really feel hate towards? That we despise? That we, our hearts are hardened against that person? Yes, there are people here this morning that your hearts are hardened against somebody. Why is that? It's because, it's because this is part of our nature. And God doesn't intend it for it to be. What else is there? Discord. Are there some marriages this morning that are in discord? There are problems between spouses? 
that you came to church and all the way to church there was silence in the car. Then you come up the stairs and smile. <laughs> Hi, Pastor. Good to see you. I know that's happening. I know that's happening. But see, that's, that's the works of the flesh, the sinful nature. That's not fruit from the Spirit. You're not walking in the Spirit if you're allowing that to happen. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Me, I want what I want. And we say it unapologetically, don't we? I don't care what you want. This is what I want. Selfish ambition. Dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. It's not an exhaustive catalog. There are a couple other very interesting passages. You look them up later. The seventh chapter of Mark, verses 21 and 22, Jesus, off of his lips, falls a short catalog of these kinds of things. And Paul, later on in, in the first chapter of Romans, writes about the same kind of thing. He's talking about the, the fruit that's born in people's lives when they turn away from God. The natural direction of our life. That's the way it goes. That's the way it is. It's our bent. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will, they will prove out that they never were heirs. Why? Because of these things that have been existent in their life continually. It doesn't matter what they did in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter what they professed with their mouth. It was what was born out in their life. That's the proof. There is that passage in Matthew in the seventh chapter when Jesus says, in that day, meaning the end day, many will come to me and many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these marvelous things in your name? And what's his response? I never knew you. People come to church for years and years and years and when the bucket is passed, they throw a few dollars in the bucket and that's it. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit. What kind of fruit is being born in our lives? Are we walking by the Spirit and learning to be people who are caring, compassionate, merciful, forgiving, loving, peaceful people? Or are we people who are immersed into this world? Are we people who are giving license to the flesh, to the sinful nature. What kind of people are we? We're a young congregation in terms of chronologically, age-wise. We're young in terms of our, our church, the history of our church. We're only 14, 15 years old. We've got lots of opportunities for ministry. Lots of opportunity to bear fruit for God. Don't fool yourself. Don't think that you've got all this time and, and you're going to kind of put God on the shelf and do your thing and there'll be plenty of time. Time goes by like that. You don't know what's going to happen this afternoon in your life. Prove out by the fruit in your life that you are, in fact, 
an heir to the kingdom of God. Not by your words, by your life. By your life. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Jesus said you'll know them by the fruit. How do you know someone's a Christian? By the fruit. By the fruit. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, there's a good one. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are things that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God Himself who lives in us, these are the things that He causes to grow up in us that we don't do. What part do we have to play? Walk by the Spirit. Submit to the Spirit. Surrender to God. Verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, since we have life by the Spirit, since the Holy Spirit has given us life, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The idea is that we every day continuously keep in step with the Spirit, keep walking with Him. Let us not be conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual, should restore him gently. Most of us know at least one person in our life right now, in our relationships, who are caught in sin, either sin of commission or sin of omission. People who should be in fellowship who aren't. People who are involved in adulterous relationships. People who are, in, who are immersed in drugs. People who are outside of God's grace right now. For one reason or another. And Paul's saying, you who are spiritual, restore that person. All of us are ministers. All of us who are walking in the Spirit can reach out to other people and in love say, come on back. Come on back. Begin to walk in the Spirit. We don't focus on the sin. We don't punish you, sinner. I know what you're doing. And I don't like it. No, I say, come on back. I missed you. We've missed you. That you offer an inviting environment for people to come and begin to experience God's forgiveness and His grace and they can come back into the fellowship. Restore them, all of us. Write down one name this morning of somebody this week that you're going to go to in the Spirit and restore them. One name. One name. And watch us swell in size. One name. In verse 7, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. You see, the enemy is out to deceive us. The world lies to us. It says, do it, do it this way. Satan is blowing your ears saying, oh man, God's trying to rip you off, man. It's not going to be any fun. Do it his way. Do it my way. We're going to have some fun. The Bible says that there's, there's fun in sin, but just for a season, a short time. Then you really pay the price. 
Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. It means God has established order. He's established laws that govern our universe, govern the reality as we see it and as we don't see it, and those laws are just as sure as gravity. You can depend on them. We talk about the law of reciprocity, given. It will be given to you. There's another law here. He says a man reaps what he sows. Kind of a corollary to given it shall be given. You reap what you sow. That's a law. And how does he illustrate it? He says, the one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. You can't stop it from happening. What does it mean to sow to the sinful nature? Simple. What do I fill my mind with? Who do I associate with? Where do I spend my time? Where do I invest my energies? Where do I spend my money? Answer those questions. When you go to mini church this week, stand up and say, I've been spending my money in the arcade parlor. I've been investing my money in the stock market, not in God's kingdom. I'm trusting the world. I'm sowing to the sinful nature. True? Sure it is. And that's only going to reap destruction. Corruption. You're going to wind up with empty hands. But the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Eternal life. Eternal things, fruit, life will be born in his life. <coughs> Starting presently. Not just in the sweet by and by. Verse 9. Boy, you ought to memorize verse 9. Underline it. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Paul's way of saying, don't quit. God is sure. His purposes are going to be borne out. You're going to reap a good and bountiful harvest if you don't quit, if you don't give up, if you don't grow weary. Oh, but I've given and I've given and I've given. Keep giving some more. Keep giving some more. It's just like that fruit tree. It's going to bear fruit in season at the appointed hour, at the right minute. What does it mean to sow to the Spirit? How does a person walk after the Spirit? How does a person walk with the Spirit? Well, just like a person would walk with the world. Where do you fill your mind with? Do you fill your mind with things that promote the knowledge of Christ? Do we spend our time with Christian people? Are we, are we investing our life wisely in the things of the Lord? What are we immersing ourselves in? What are we immersing ourselves? You, only you can answer that question for yourself. You say, well, you know, I, I want to read the Bible. I, I really try. I don't read it as often as I should, but to be real honest with you, it, it's boring sometimes. <coughs> oh, I know that. Why? Because it's, it's part of what the Spirit, and, and living and sowing by the Spirit, and that's contrary to what the fleshly nature wants to do. 
And the more accustomed we are to operating on the basis of our human nature, the less we're going to be accustomed to operating in spiritual things. You know what? I learned an exciting secret. Before I read the Bible, you know what I do? I psych myself up. You say, ooh, that's not spiritual, is it? Is that in the Bible? <laughs> You're supposed to psych yourself up to read the Bible? I do. You know what I do? I sit down and I say, Lord, we're going to have a talk here. Lord, I, I know that I, I have to read the Bible. I know that I should read the Bible. See, that's legalism. That's legalism. It's not moving in the spirit. And so, Lord, Lord, we got to talk here. Lord, you know something? As I sit here and think right now, as I take these few minutes to think about you, I'm reminded of your incredible grace to me. Lord, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my son. Thank you for the opportunities you give me to participate in other people's lives. Lord, thank you for, for providing me with health. Lord, thank you for gray hair. Lord, thank you for hair. And we talk. And I start getting emotional about the Lord. You see, I thought we weren't supposed to do anything on the basis of our emotions. No, yeah. don't make major decisions on the basis of your emotions. But you can get emotional about your relationship with the Lord. You start feeling warm towards Him. Warming up to Him. And then before I know it, I can hardly wait to open this book and begin to read and begin to fill my mind because I know that as I read it, I put myself in a frame of reference now where I'm open and hungry and ready to receive from Him. I've already been in prayer. I've immersed myself in, in talking with Him. I've immersed, immersed myself in conversation. And I'm immersing myself in His Word. And wherever I open, if I open it up in the Psalms, I, I begin to feast in the Psalms. If I open it up to that marvelous, that marvelous book, the devotional book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> I get much strength. And my heart just is filled up. I'm overjoyed. Fellowship. That's another area of immersing ourselves in things of the Spirit. Not just praying. Not just in the Word. But fellowship with one another. I'm convinced that we don't have a true perspective of fellowship. You read about the saints in the New Testament. They were always getting together. Always getting together. Not just on Sunday morning. Not just on Wednesday night at mini church. But they were always getting together. They were visiting one another and they would get together. They wouldn't gossip. They'd get together and pray. They'd get together and share the word. I'm convinced today that our singles have problems because they don't know what to do with the time on their hands. And so they fill themselves their lives with busyness. I'm convinced that our couples, as they get together, don't know what to do with themselves, so they don't get together. They don't get together. Well, they can start getting together and fellowshipping. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's all nice and good, but, but you don't understand my schedule. I don't have time for all that. I've got all this other stuff. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. See, so get rid of some of the stuff. 
and make room for things of the Spirit. Fellowship. Well, I mean, I work all day and I... There's time for fellowship where you work. Not that you rob time from your employer, but there's, there's moments, there's snatches, there's opportunities for fellowship. You can walk by somebody, you can, on your job, you know they're a Christian, you just lay your hand on them for a minute and say, Lord, just bless this brother. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my friend. Pause for things in the Spirit. Immerse ourselves in things of the Spirit. And as we do so, God's Spirit will cause the fruit to be born. We make ourselves available to Him. He does the work in our life. And you and I will, just like the fruit trees, the blossoms will come out. The shoots will appear. And then the fruit will arrive and it'll ripen, and it will give life to others. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Reach out this morning to those around you. Reach out throughout the day. Make a call to that brother or sister in the Lord who's out of fellowship. Call them up. Go visit them. Take them to lunch. Invite them over for dinner. Have breakfast with them. Draw them back gently, lovingly into fellowship. And then as we grow that way, we have more strength, more power to reach out to those who are not of the family of believers so that they might become part of the family. Be filled with the Spirit. Walk after the Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be taken care of. If you're laboring as a Christian, if you're frustrated as a Christian, you're probably a legalist Come into God's grace. Begin to immerse yourself in things of the Spirit. Let Him bear the fruit in your life. Let His peace guard your mind and heart. Let His joy flood your soul. Let His love pour out of you. That you be a patient person, a kind person, a good person, a person who's controlled. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you.